Good morning. That's better. Um, it's Barbara's birthday today. Yay! It's always good to have a birthday, and especially to celebrate it by coming to church. <laughs> yeah. So good morning, everyone, and welcome to our series, our series where we're looking at the defence of Christianity that Luke wrote. And Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, and he wrote it while his friend Paul was in prison in Rome awaiting a trial. And Paul was on trial because the religious leaders of the day did not accept that Jesus was the Messiah. And of course, Paul had been preaching everywhere he could, in synagogues and all around, to anyone who would listen that Jesus is the Messiah. Luke investigated all the things that Jesus did and he wrote them down as a defence for Paul. And today we're, we're looking at Luke chapters 4 to 9, which is a pretty large chunk of scripture. And we're asking these two questions. What is Luke saying about Christianity? And what is Luke saying to us today? And last week, Eric started the journey through chapters 4 to 9. And he traced two themes. The theme that Jewish faith is fulfilled in Christianity that Jewishness and Christianity are combined because all the Old Testament prophets are fulfilled in Jesus. And the second theme that Eric traced was the link between our faith and salvation. And today we're looking at the theme of the power and the authority of Jesus. Now, chapters 4 to 9, it covers a large chunk of scripture. So I'm going to list out some of the main things that happen. So bear with me. It's a bit of a long list. Okay. Jesus heals a woman with a high fever. He heals a man with leprosy. He heals a paralyzed man. He heals a man whose hand was deformed. He healed the sick and dying slave of a Roman officer. He heals a woman who had been continuously bleeding for 12 years. She simply touched the edge of his robe and she was healed instantly. Jesus heals a boy with epilepsy, delivering him from an evil spirit. Jesus heals a homeless man who would take refuge in the tombs outside the village. It was a man who was living with some form of mental illness and Jesus also delivered him from many evil spirits. Jesus cast out evil spirits. He healed a man in a local synagogue who was suffering from the effects of an evil spirit. He healed a young boy and he healed the homeless man. Jesus resurrected a young man during the funeral procession. So this young man is being carried to go to be buried and all the mourners are behind him wailing and weeping and Jesus sees the procession. No one asks him to heal this young man but he goes up 
and he touches the young man because he was on a pallet, not like we do today. He touched the young man and the young man sat up <laughs> and began to speak for everyone to see. He healed, he resurrected the daughter of the leader of a local synagogue. So not just once, but twice, two resurrections. Then we have the account of Jesus calming a raging storm. And it was threatening to sink the boat that the disciples were on. They were all there. Jesus was there asleep. They were all there panicking. And they had to wake Jesus up to say to him, Lord, look, we're going to die. So Jesus just stood up in the boat. He spoke to the wind and the waves. He rebuked them. And it was calm. Jesus feeds a crowd of 5,000 people, over 5,000 people, with the lunch that was meant for one boy. Jesus is transfigured, and Eric talked about this last week. Jesus had taken three of his disciples up to a mountaintop, and he showed them his glory. His face shone. His garments glowed. He showed the true nature of who he was. Yes, he was a man, but he was also fully God as well. And Moses and Elijah appeared there. And the three disciples then heard a voice coming from heaven saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Jesus declares that he is the Messiah when he quotes from the prophet Isaiah in a local synagogue. John the Baptist, who had been... uh, baptising people in the wilderness who, when he saw Jesus, declared that he was the Messiah, he had a crisis of faith. And so he, he sent messengers to Jesus and he said, are you truly the Messiah? And Jesus answered, yes. And Peter, we hear Peter declare the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. In this chapter, Jesus also calls his 12 disciples And after some time with them, he sends them out. He sends them out with his authority to heal the sick, to to, uh, send evil spirits away, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. And later on in chapter, chapter 10, Jesus will send out 72 of his disciples to do the same thing. Luke also lists some of the women who were disciples. We have the story that Lockie read out for us of the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Jesus teaches about forgiveness, about fasting, about the true meaning of the the day of rest, of the Sabbath. He teaches about having love for our enemies, for not judging one another, and for having our faith as a basic firm foundation that we can build our lives on. He preaches about the kingdom of God and how different it is from the way we understand the world. He speaks about our true family, which may well be the family that you were born into, but our true family are brothers and sisters in Christ who believe in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. It's a lengthy list of things that happen, chapters 4 to 9. 
So in terms of what is, what is Luke saying about Christianity in these chapters? He is displaying the power and the authority of Jesus. Because firstly we see the power and authority that Jesus have over illness. And not just illnesses in the body, but also illnesses of the mind. He healed a sick slave who was near death. He healed a man with leprosy, a homeless man who lived with some form of mental illness, a woman who was continually bleeding, and a young boy with epilepsy. So Luke is showing the breadth of Jesus' power over every part of our body. For many diseases and many afflictions that had no cure, Luke also shows that Jesus has power and authority over death with the two resurrections. And Luke is showing that he shows no favour. He doesn't favour female or male over one of the other. He doesn't favour someone who's in a position of power or authority over someone who has no power and authority. Jesus is showing that he treats everyone as special, as his special children. Luke also shows Jesus' power and authority over, over nature, over the world and over the spiritual realm. Jesus calmed that raging storm, speaking with authority to what we understand that it's just natural forces, right? We can't control the wind or the waves. And yet he spoke to them and they obeyed him because he is the Lord of creation. Creation will do what Jesus says. He fed a crowd of over 5,000 people with a lunch meant for one little boy. Now, we know food is, is finite. We know that you can't just multiply it. But Jesus took those atoms in that food and he multiplied it because he is Lord of creation. And Jesus showed his power and authority over the spiritual realm. So it's not just the seen world, it's not just the things that we see and know, but also the unseen world that maybe we're not too sure about. But he delivered a man who was possessed by many evil spirits, telling them to leave that man and go into a herd of pigs. And that's what happened. So those evil spirits, they knew who Jesus was. They came under his authority and they left that man. They obeyed him. That is the power and authority of Jesus. So Luke is demonstrating that Jesus is no ordinary man. This is a man who has the power to heal, has the power to command evil spirits, has the power to restore people to life. So this brings us to our second question, which is, what is Luke saying to us today? Or how do you respond to the power and authority of Jesus? There are many different ways to respond, and we, we see this in the world. I mean, some people are simply curious. They think that Jesus was a good man, a good teacher, that he taught about love and peace. And so they recognise that he has good ethics. Some people are just indifferent. 
They don't recognise the amazing miracles that Jesus did and they certainly don't accept him as the son of God. And some people are angry, angry at Jesus and angry at Christianity because of the claims that he made, particularly because Jesus said he was the son of God and he said that he is the only way to go to the Father. You can only come to the Father through me. And that upsets a lot of people's ideas about God. Some do accept that Jesus is God and believe that he is the Son of God, but then they fall short of accepting the claim that Jesus has on our lives. So how do you respond? What is your response to Jesus? What has it been over your life? Is God calling you into a deeper relationship with him? Is he calling you to respond to him and and sit in his presence and enjoy his love and his fellowship and his grace? Is he calling you to step out and do something new? Is he calling you to rest? Is he calling you to act? In the passage that Lockie read, we see the response that Jesus wants from us. It's devotion. So in the passage, Simon is a Pharisee and he's invited Jesus to have dinner with him and his fellow Pharisees. And it is the normal custom of the day that the host would make sure that the feet of all guests were washed because the streets were dusty There were animals on the streets and people wore sandals or bare feet. So to come into someone's home, you'd wash their feet to make them feel comfortable. But Simon didn't even show Jesus this simple courtesy. And not showing him that courtesy, that's a form of contempt. He had contempt for Jesus. Because... Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah, the fulfilment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And Jesus' teaching about the Sabbath, about love, about the law, it didn't necessarily line up with what the Pharisees were teaching. And so he was seen, Jesus was seen as a threat to the power and authority of the Pharisees. So Simon was threatened by Jesus. And he wanted, he had invited Jesus to come into his home to have a religious argument with him. He wanted to show Jesus up. He wanted to prove that Jesus was not the Messiah, that he was some deluded man, that he was some fake, he was some imposter, and that he definitely wasn't the Son of God, the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. So Simon invited Jesus into his home to discredit him, to put him down. And this attitude of Simon's is in such stark, stark contrast to the attitude of the woman. Now this woman, she was judged by the Pharisees as a sinner and she would not have been invited to come into their home because Pharisees did not share meals with sinners. They saw themselves as righteous and they would not risk their righteousness by sharing a meal with someone who they knew was a sinner. So this woman, she came in anyway. 
She'd seen that Jesus' feet had not been washed, and she was so upset for him that she washed them with her tears and wiped his feet with her hair. She made herself vulnerable to the taunts of the Pharisees, the shame of the judgments on her. She put her love for Jesus before those taunts. And she put herself in a position where she could be humiliated, where she would be ridiculed, and where she would be seen clearly as a follower of Jesus. There was no doubt that this woman loved Jesus. She did not hide her love for him. She did not hide her need for him. She didn't hide her tears. She didn't hide her gratitude. And this woman made a huge financial sacrifice in breaking that alabaster jar, and she made a huge personal sacrifice in revealing herself as someone who loved Jesus. So in this woman, we see devotion, gratitude, sacrifice, and this open, extravagant love for Jesus. Now, Jesus hears the thoughts of Simon, who is judging the woman and judging Jesus. And so he says... He says these words to Simon in Luke chapter 7, verses 41 to 47. Thank you. That's it. Then he turned, Jesus turned, oh no, sorry, 41. I'll read it to you. Then Jesus told Simon this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one, thank you, and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay the debt. So he kindly forgave the debt, cancelled their debt out, the one who owned 500 and the one who owned 50. And Jesus said to Simon, who do you think, who do you think loved him more? And Simon said, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them away with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time I came in, She has not stopped kissing me. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. I don't know if you've ever been in debt, if you've had a car loan or maybe you've had a mortgage on your home or a credit card debt that you can't seem to get rid of or maybe you've got a hex debt from studying at college or, or uni. And 
when you have a debt like that, and I've certainly had a debt, I've had a 25-year mortgage, mortgage, and it doesn't, it's not in your head every day, but it's, it's in the background there. And if you're like me and you come to the month we have to make the repayments, you're scrounging around to try to find the money to, to cover that debt. And when that goes on for 25 years, it's sort of, it's a lot. And when, when we finally paid off our mortgage, oh my goodness, it was, I don't know, it was like this weight that was lifted off me. It was just this incredible lightness. And when the, 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 the month came around and I didn't have to find that money, it was just so freeing. It was like I'd had this cloak that was over the top of me and it was weighing me down, even though I wasn't really aware of it. And when, when the loan went, I just threw it off. I had all this extra money. It was lovely. For me, that's what it's like when I receive the forgiveness of Jesus. It's like I have this weight of sin that is bearing down on me that I'm not necessarily aware of when I let sins accumulate, when I don't deal with sins quickly. They accumulate and they start to weigh me down. I'm not aware of it, but when I finally come to the Lord and I confess my sins, then this weight is lifted off me. It's like this lightness and freedom that comes from the Lord when we receive his forgiveness. Simon the Pharisee, he didn't believe that he needed forgiveness. He was very proud of himself and he judged himself to be righteous. And look, we can all do that too. You know, we do something good, we give some money to somebody or we help out in church and we give ourselves a pat on the back and we think, yeah, we're doing pretty good. But the trouble with that is that the way we look at ourselves and the way God sees ourselves is very different because God sees everything within me. He sees my deepest desires. He sees my deepest hypocrisies. He sees my deepest selfish desires. And I just like to push those to the side. The woman, on the other hand, she knew that she needed forgiveness. She knew that she had a debt that needed to be repaid. And she found the freedom and the beauty and the love and the lightness of the love of Jesus when he forgave her. And it can be like that for us too. When we come to Jesus, we confess our sins and we know that he has forgiven us. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the West, never to meet again. Jesus came, he came freely. He gave his life of his own will. He died for us. He died in our place. He died for every sin that you have ever done and will ever do. He's died for all of my sins. He's died for every sin in the past, the present, and the future. And all we need to do is accept that forgiveness. So where are you? Where are you in this story of Simon and this woman? Are you like Simon the Pharisee, disbelieving in Jesus? Jesus? 
Are you an observer just sitting on the fence and saying, oh, that's a very interesting story? Do you acknowledge the power and authority of Jesus as the Son of God? Are you in awe of the miracles that Jesus has done and the power that he has over the seen and the unseen world? Are you in awe of that? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? And if you haven't, I encourage you today to do it. You simply need to say from your heart that I want to follow you, Lord. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to accept your power and authority that you have over my life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. And if you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour, then are you in any way, in any way, afraid to let people know that you love Jesus, that Jesus has died for you? Are you expressing your gratitude to him in the way that you live, in the choices that you make in your life? Are they all about gratitude and love for Jesus? Are you willing to sacrifice what you might see as your personal standing to let people see that you love Jesus? Are you seeking his forgiveness? Do you come before him and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I've stuffed up again. I don't know why I keep doing that, Lord. Can you help me to walk out in a different way? And are you worshipping Jesus with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, with every part of your being and in the way that you live? Jesus has power and authority over everything in this world, seen and unseen and over us. But he does not misuse that power or his authority He invites us. He invites us. Come, come, I want to have a relationship with you. I love you. I want want you to know that I know you. I know you inside and out. And I want to join with you in your life. I want to walk with you in your life. I want to be with you in your life. He invites us into that companionship and fellowship with him. And our response to Jesus simply needs to be one of love, adoration, gratitude, devotion. That's all he asks from us. He died for us, he gave his life for us, and yet all he asks from us is devotion. Let's pray. Father, We stand in amazement at the power and authority of Jesus, a power that could wipe us out if he wanted, an authority that could see us die for our sins. But in your eternal and unending love and grace for us, you sent Jesus to die in our place. Lord, we want to accept the sacrifice of Jesus to freely express our love 
our gratitude and our devotion to him. Lord, we want to be the people who you want us to be. Help us to be devoted to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.